Mr. Mark Selby, how are we, sir? Mr. Matthew Gordon, doing very well. I'm glad to hear it. We are going to talk today about the world of uh, nickel, a little bit of battery news more, more, more broadly. So yep. what can you tell us about nickel prices? Uh, again, bouncing off that uh, 17,500 level that we expected. Um, we had a little bit of bounce at the end of last week, beginning of this week. Uh, there are lots of news about Indonesian war issues uh, and as well, um, you know, some uh, inventory drop. Uh, again, we're not talking, all these inventory moves are a few thousand tons, but again, gives gives the bulls and the bears uh, a little bit of ammunition. Um, so prices popped up to about $18,000 and this morning we're trading back down in that 17600 level. Again, expect, as I said many times, expect to be here for another month or two until we get to year end, um, which, you know, after we get through uh, a bunch of destocking on the battery side and and some noise on the stainless steel side, you know, we'll start to see those uh, that underlying growth uh, re- reassert itself, and we'll talk some more about that uh, later on in the in the in the call today. Yeah, let, let, let's do that because I think I think copper kind of interests me at the moment as well. What's that? What's happening over there? But okay, um, let's talk about um, sulfate prices um, and how that's uh, trading compared to nickel prices more broadly. Yeah, so the the great convergence that we've expected to see is is still well underway. You know, sulfates trading at a small premium to flat to nickel prices. NPI discounts continue to compress. Uh, you know, what's interesting is that you know prior to the big gap opening up, uh, MHP prices were about you know in payability was in the low ninety percent uh, of, of the LME price at the time when things gapped open. We you know we saw those discounts widen out massively to sixty to seventy percent uh, of the LME price. But we're already more than halfway back, uh, you know, to where we were uh, trading around uh, 78 to 80 percent of the LME price. What's interesting now is is you're starting to see, and again, this just reinforces what I said, you know, from day one is is they're looking now at basically prices trading as a, a metal price minus a processing cost. And you know what I've said, you know, time and time again is that you know everything, basically every raw material, trades at the marginal cost of what it takes your average Chinese producer. To convert it to the next usable product, and so you know some of these are actually going to be embedded in the pricing formulas uh, going forward, and and that that price is about thirty four hundred dollars a ton. You know, if, if sulfate doesn't get back to premium, that says the the maximum that MHP you know for the the meantime can trade is about eighty five percent of a twenty thousand dollar LME price. But you know we'll we'll see you know how that goes forward. And again, as the industry continues to scale up, as you start to see more and more competition, you know you'll see those margins you know compress. Uh, some more over time. So um, again, things are heading in the right direction. I'll be interested to sort of see, you know, how how things you know push on. Okay, and um, so just 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 on that, and um, with the gas incorporating processing fees, that's the kind of thing in other sectors which um, are is, is done when people just aren't making margins, i.e., trying to trying to make sure they're ma- they're making money in a, in a difficult environment. That this is as you know as as you're putting it, this is something that you expected and would expect to see um and there's nothing more to kind of read into it yeah the average chinese processor who takes an intermediate and convert upgrades it to another intermediate or takes it to a final product generally on average you know over over the long run because there's always excess chinese capacity in the market you know they tend to basically not make any money or just make a small profit uh, over time. You know, they'll, they're from time to time, will make make some money and lose some money. But, you know, generally that's, you know, that's where you see the marginal price of, of input products end up getting priced at in, in the long run. So, yeah, no, this is fully expected. Okay. So that, that, that's kind of quite bullish. And and so, and talking of bulls, I mean, how should, how should the 
um, bulls be feeling at the moment? Yeah. So the last last couple of weeks here, um, you know, we've seen more and more news stories and different people from the government and different mining associations in Indonesia talking about you know worries about uh, high grade ore supply and and and, and quotas and, and renewal of quotas and so on and so forth. Um, and so, you know, starting to see, you know, still continue to see ore imports from the Philippines into Indonesia, you know, which is again, bizarre. Again, it's the cold Newcastle comment. You know, this is supposed to be a place that has uh, lots and lots and lots of ore. Um, but in, in, in the meantime, not having uh, enough uh, available, you know, th- there's an, at the end of this month, there's a big conference and, and they've said at this conference, the Indonesian government is going to announce this new pricing mechanism based on co- discussions ahead of LME week, you know, the you know, people are expecting it to be a little more comprehensive than we expected it at this price, you know, which again should mean more value for Indonesia, higher costs for, you know, NPI and MHP producers, which again will flow through to support, um, you know, for nickel prices long run. The, the fundamental point here and the fundamental thing I've been saying here for like six years is that, you know, Indonesia, uh, you know, is now controls more of the nickel market than OPEC did at its peak. You know, they're not going to increase prices forex like OPEC did in in 1973 you know but they are going to do what they can and 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 unlike OPEC who had to try and get alignment between a, a bunch of countries that were inherently enemies um you know it's one country and one government you know that's done a pretty good job of extracting value from their resources you know for for Indonesia and I don't expect that to slow down anytime soon now that they they've achieved this kind of peak so uh, again, I, I think you'll see, you know, long-term down, you know, your downside risk in nickel prices are going to be limited. Indonesia, it's not in Indonesia's interest to see, you know, low nickel prices. Um, and so uh, you'll see them flex their muscle. And I think this announcement at the end of the end of the month will be, you know, some 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 more of that muscle flexing and, and this talk about legal ore mining and, and removing quotas and so forth was just the first test drive of what we'll see more of over the next several years. It's interesting. And, and I actually got a little note in from someone over in China at the moment um, who was talking about with regards to copper, at least, you know, um, is the, they're saying a 24% year-on-year rise on imports of both copper concentrate and also on um, copper. You know, so it, it, it says the, the Chinese market, well, I've, I've, got, I've got a bit more here on uh, um, uh, more broadly, it says for 53% year on year with um, on um, uh, stainless steel exports, um, aluminum uh, exports declined by further 10% uh, month to month, uh, another and 8% year on year. So it, they're busy over there. All, all those rumors of two, three months ago about the Chinese market um, receding, I, I I'm not sure that they are to be believed. Uh, if it, it feels like, yeah, no, we literally just this morning the Chinese Stainless Steel Council, who's the umbrella organization for the stainless steel uh, producers, you know, uh, you know, stain total stainless production is up almost 12 percent year over year for the first nine months. Uh, the stuff that we like as nickel producers is 300 series, and it was up 14 percent uh, year over year. And you know, when you look at the difference in, in trade, um, you know, you're looking at a, a, an apparent consumption increase of 9%, you know, year over year. And again, this is during a year where the Chinese economy is supposed to be struggling, you know, really challenged growth-wise. Now, you know, the big we did see a massive spike in, in stainless production in September and October. Um, and, you know, they, you know, based on, we, we are seeing a little more stuff uh, move into inventory um, and see prices come off a little bit. But, so we'll see production, you know, come down a little bit towards the year end. But again, you're still looking, you know, we'll end up the year maybe, you know, eight, 9% increase. You know, on something that is a massive portion of 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 uh, you know overall nickel demand. 
you know, that again, one of the themes I've been banging on all year on is just, you know, how analysts underestimate nickel demand growth long term. You know, we are going to end up with nickel demand for the year at eight to ten percent uh, year over year. Uh, you know, that's that's double what most analysts forecasts had at the beginning of this year. And again, this is despite all the economic headwinds, despite interest rates, you know, ramping up as much as they've have. So, you know, I, I think it's going to set the stage for an interesting 2024 if, you know, if we see interest rates top out uh, at this point in time. Well, well, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and then this is going to, you know, throw a few, few things in there was kind of driving that certainly in terms of um, sentiment, that's sort of EV sales. And what are we seeing there? Yeah. So, I mean, again, EVs are the other big leg of, of demand. And again, you start to see some recent news articles, you know, that, oh, it sounds like, oh, EV sales are, 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 are you know, are, are going in reverse. You know, again, China, which is, a, you know, already almost 40% of all cars sold in China are, are now EVs, but they were still up 22% year over year in September, you know, that's, and, and, and full battery vehicles were, were up 25%, you know, again, you're starting to see um, certain models. And again, you know, Ford had some news this week that, you know, they're not ramping up production as quickly as they, they thought because they're seeing some weak sales, you know, they had some pretty massive price premiums on some of their electric vehicles versus their in, internal combustion engine. So yeah, some of those models are suffering, but there's lots of other models, you know, that are continuing to sell well, and it'll be interesting to see, and we'll know in the next week or so, you know what what the you know monthly overall sales figure look for the U.S. But again, expect to see some pretty pretty hefty growth. And as we talked about a few weeks ago, that those ADMS numbers that look at amount the average nickel per battery. You know, as the U.S. continues to to play a bigger role in in global EV growth, you're going to see that average nickel content continue to rise. So yeah, again, it's 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 you know some very you know fundamentally underlying you know strength in the market. Again, destocking can obscure that that fundamental growth for long periods of time and 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 the big move around and lithium prices has had a huge impact on that in the battery chain but you know don't be fooled the underlying growth is is there and it will eventually come come through again and you know we'll we'll start to see that i believe you know in early in the new year in in uh, 2024 yeah and i think as we noted last time out i think you know chinese car sales in europe now quite for over five percent which means that uh that's taking that's taking a big chunk and they've because they've gone early, I think that they've um, they've been able to kind of capitalize on the kind of slow moving um, uh, European automotive uh, market. But let, let's see how they react um, to that. Now we mentioned Indonesia earlier on. This is a, so a couple of things here. And Indonesian president has um, has had up and said, uh, "Hey, US, what about this twenty billion bucks for our uh, net zero uh, aims?" And uh, I think he's he's. That may have an effect on the thing I'm going to ask you about, which is you know, rumors of a possible agreement between the US and uh, Indonesia. What's yeah, so uh, the Indonesia is going to, uh, there's there's a um, economic summit uh, in a few weeks um, in the US. And so there was rumors that the US was going to you know, have some sort of limited free trade agreement with Indonesia, which would then allow some of that material potentially to qualify for IRA subsidies. Um, there's been uh, some, you know, massive pushback on it. The, the car, the car companies, you know, to, to be honest, I was at a conference in Washington uh, last spring, and you know, the car companies, you could see them pushing for it, you know, and and for fundamental, you know, they need more nickel in the next two or three years, and there is really there is no nickel coming from the West at all. So if they want to continue to build these EVs, they're going to have to hold their nose a little bit and and use some of this. You know, maybe higher carbon, maybe higher environmental footprint, nickel that 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 they they need 
you know, to be able to get that going. But, you know, it's fundamentally, you know, the, the U.S. government passed the IRA. You had support, you know, uh, uh, you know, from from you know, sort of people across the political spectrum. And not surprising, you know, when starts news of this comes out, you know, you've got a letter that was public. You had nine senators, you know, from both the Republicans and the Democrats. And, you know, if you've got four or five people on either side of the fence, there's no way you're going to get something passed. Um, you know, that that's that's the bottom line here. IRA was all about domesticating the supply chain, getting China out of, you know, out of out of out of people's supply chain. So all of a sudden to think that you're going to throw the gates open, have a pile of Chinese controlled supply come into the United States is is crazy, you know. And again, I can tell you, you know, uh, you know, it, you know, through this past week, we've seen some sell-offs um, across the, the nickel producers, you know, Canada nickel, and in, in, you know, sort of gradually drifting down a little bit here. It's it's crazy. I mean, the last six months, the urgency in which the you know entire EV supply chain that the automakers, I, I think they were occupied with with lithium you know for a little while now that lithium prices you know doesn't look like we're going to run out of lithium anytime soon they've come back to nickel they've realized no one's really discovered very much you know other than you know what we've got around timmins and so you know they are really really keen to lock up supply as quickly as possible you know for the latter half of this decade you know and there's very very few options out there we're going to be kicking off you know uh, as we said uh after a feasibility study report comes out at the end of the month, kick off that formal process with Scotia and Deutsche Bank. And I think it's going to be very fun, you know, and very profitable, you know, for our shareholders. You know, we need every project in Canada. You know, we need half a million tons for the United States and Europe. Um, and, you know, there's there's only a fraction of that that could come online conceptually from anybody, you know, by the early 2030. So as I've said many times, we need we need all of the above. You know, we need all the big nickel projects in Canada, and you know, and, and again, the car companies and the EV supply chain is showing up, and and are very very keen to see that supply come to market by the by the by the end of this decade. Right, but, but tell me tell me what's showing up. How how, how do I judge that? Because if I'm looking at the equities markets, obviously I'm looking at public. Companies and they're they're kind of getting across across the board, irrespective of the commodity. But the e, the EV metals should one would have thought be do, be doing better than they than they are. So so showing up takes the form of what should I be looking at? Firms that are getting strategic investment in from from industry is is that is that a thing that that's important? I mean, how do I judge this? Yeah, you're going to see strategic investments from basically equity investments, you know, from these car companies and battery companies. You're going to see money for offtake. Again, you're, you know, in terms of, of getting X amount of offtake, you're going to see investments at the project level. And again, as an, as investors, investments at the project level are great because, you know, that's, you know, that generally is, is less linked you know, to what you see uh, in in the market. And so, uh, again, three years ago, it was a conversation around, you know, sell us everything you've got at a discount um, and you'll get a press release with our name in on it. It's now it's, hi, I'm company X. We would like your nickel. We know we need to provide capital, to, you know, to be able to fund that project and get it into production, you know, and and we'd like as much of your production for as long as possible. Please and thank you. You know, that's that's the conversations we're having today with multiple different groups. Well, there's a little bit that I want out of it is 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 I want a big big name strategic. I don't want a a, a metal trader. I don't want a sort of you know triple B rated company. I want the endorsement of a big company who's been through the phases, diligencing uh, an entity and saying this is something we're sure enough to put our name and our money to 
most important bet at, at, at this moment in time. Um, so, so, so I guess that's what we, we should look out for over the next sort of 12 to 24 months across the board. Those, those who can will and those who, who don't probably won't. Um, well, look, I'm talking of, talking of big companies, um, Glencore they made an announcement this week. And what's, yeah, what's there wasn't a, ton, wasn't a ton of company news, but it was interesting. Um, and again, as a Canadian, uh, sad to see uh, that Glencore is winding down its nickel rim south mine. Uh, Falcon Bridge got that going. It was perfectly timed. Um, to hit the, the nickel boom uh, in the mid 2000s, um, it's coming to the end uh, of its life. Uh, Glencore is replacing it with its Onaping Deep Mine, which has been building for the last three or four years and should ramp up, you know, to replace that production. But again, you know, they were spending a billion and plus dollars to build Onaping Deep, and all it's doing is replacing existing production. There's no new net nickel units from this new mine. Uh, that Glencore's building. Uh, what's sad uh, for me is, as a person who was involved in the potential Inco Falconbridge merger um, back in the mid 2000s, um, you know, one of the key synergies was using that infrastructure at the Nickel Rim South Mine to go after the Victor deposit, which is a few kilometers along strike um, from the Nickel Rim Mine. Um, but Valley and Glencore, you know, for 15 years haven't been able to come to terms um, to be able to, um, you know, develop it. Now they are they are jointly working on a feasibility study for it. Uh, you know, hopefully, you know, that that comes back soon and, and Glencore is keeping it on care and maintenance so that it could be used in the future for that. But, uh, you know, uh, again, for for Sudbury, for Canada, it'd be nice if 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 they could get there sooner than later and, and get that uh, big deposit at depth, uh, you know, into production. But again, it's not coming in. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a big, deep deposit. It'll take several years in development before you get any, any ore out of it at all. So, um, you know, it'd be, you know, sometime towards this latter part of this decade, uh, was, would be when it would come to market if it comes to market. It takes a while for these things to come together, it seems, <laughs> in, in, in some in, in a lot of instances. Um, and so something smaller, Magnum Mining. Yeah, uh, in, how they yeah in Sudbury, uh, again, um, good to see some some more drill results from the Green Hill project. You know, the, the best intercept, and it was into the, and they acknowledged it was into the crown pillar uh, of of uh, one of the ore bodies. Um, you know, 96 meters at 0.7 nickel, 1.3 copper, and a couple grams PGM. So, you know, that's good good Sudbury grade uh, type material. And, uh, you know, they, they highlight the fact that that pillar didn't necessarily have much of a resource around it. And depending on how they mine it, if they go open pit, you know, they'll be able to pull that out, um, you know, at, at some point in the future, um, you know, or or look at, you know, somehow recovering a chunk of that pillar um, in the in the future um, if they're finished mining um, down uh, underneath it further down. So, uh, again, just good to see uh, another uh, deposit in the Sudbury Basin, um, you know, Get upgraded, and Magnus doing a nice job uh, of doing that. So, but fantastic. Look, Mark. Okay, well, look, I'll let you go. And you've got a busy week um, this week. Um, we'll be looking at industry, leaning in and seeing, um, seeing where they're looking. That, that I think that's a fascinating thing between now and the end of the year for me. So, um, appreciate your time. I'll uh, see you next week. All right, thanks, Matthew. Take care.